0: You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in Central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest-growing audio medium in the U.S., from law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media/cbf to learn more about how we can help, while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email advertising director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S H E W I T T at bizjournals.com.
1: When I, this position became an opportunity and I came to visit, I was really struck that there was this phenomenal civic museum with a deep collection, holdings, wonderful holdings in American art, European art that was lesser known. And I thought, this is a story we have to tell.
2: From Columbus Business First, it's Women of Influence, an interview series showcasing some of the most inspiring women in the Central Ohio business community. Today we're joined by Brooke Minto, the Columbus Museum of Art's new Executive Director and CEO. With over 20 years of curatorial, educational, and fundraising experience all around the world, Brooke brings a fresh approach and big goals to the 145-year-old museum on East Broad Street. We talk about her early experiences in the city and in her role, what's in store for the future of the museum, and which surprising local sports team has made her transition to Columbus that much more comfortable. What first inspired your passion for interest in the arts? How did you get into this field?
1: Art has always been a part of my life. I grew up outside of New York City in the suburbs. You know, we had pretty easy access within an hour to the greatest museums, some of the greatest museums in this country. I spent a lot of time in museums, certainly as a middle school and high school student. And really that's when I knew this was something I was very passionate about. And I loved, I think as I you know, started looking at colleges and you kind of listen to these college tours or counselors and they say, you know, pursue something you love. You go to a, you know, liberal arts undergraduate college, they tell you to pursue what you're passionate about and think critically about it and you can do whatever you want to do. And I took that pretty seriously. So I knew as an undergrad that I was going to study art history. I didn't know where it would take me, but I think by um, the time I got to grad school, museums came into focus more. But yeah, it's, it's something I feel like I've done my whole life. Yeah.
2: So you've been here, you mentioned eight months at the museum. How are you settling in? How's it going? Oh, it's going well. Yeah, I arrived in May and
1: had just a wonderful kind of first season in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Not only was the weather beautiful, but I think it was also just a really wonderful time in the city. There was a lot going on, a lot of major events, a lot of national events. We we hosted the mayor's conference and I just, it was a great time to arrive and get to know the city.
2: Mm -hmm. What are you most proud of that you've accomplished so far in your initial stint? What am I most proud of? In the short term,
1: I'm really thinking about how we might sort of invest in and support the staff. We recently came to an agreement with CMA Union. We had a nice uh, negotiation and We're able to get to a contract pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I've also had this really wonderful opportunity just this season to reinstall the collection galleries, modern and contemporary art collection galleries. And that was a wonderful way in which to kind of dive into our permanent collection and really understand, you know, the treasures that we hold. Great. Yeah, there have been a number of things.
2: The museum's union contract is a momentous step forward for Columbus and municipal arts across the country following in line with major market museums like the Art Institute of Chicago, the Museum of Contemporary Art in Los Angeles, the Solomon Guggenheim Museum in New York, and many more. When you took the job, what, what sort of goals did you have? What are your short-term and long-term goals for uh, what the museum can be and can look like and can achieve?
1: I you know, was very fortunate to take this position from a leader who had been in it for 20 years and had nurtured the staff and the collection for quite a long time. At the same time, with other retirements, We now have opportunities in the curatorial department, so we'll be doing national searches for those and finding ways in which we might bring others to Columbus and to CMA to um, really help flesh out a vision for the collection and how we might develop it over the next several years as well Mm -hmm. as the exhibition program. I've also been thinking a lot about access. You know, we talked a little bit before about how much the city is growing and I'm really kind of fascinated by all of the immigrant communities around Columbus as well as just other transplants that are moving here from cities across the country. I want to make sure that the museum remains a place that is, you know, is, it's been a very visitor-centered museum for many, many years, but I want to make sure it's a place that remains open, accessible, and that the program is appealing to everyone who calls Columbus home.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I love that. It's free on Sundays.
1: As much as I think a lot of people do know we're free on Sundays, I want everyone to know we're free on Sundays, right? I mean, I, I, there's just little opportunity for a free um, experience. You know, I, I want everyone in the community, in the region, to feel that the museum is something that can be part of their lives, and that there isn't some kind of barrier to bringing the museum into your world, to your social life, to your family, to your community. So the free Sundays, I think, is a really important message. But I also want people to understand and appreciate the significance of our collection, and to really know that it's growing. It's something that is not static. You know, we have about fifteen thousand objects in the collection, but it is something that continues to grow, you know, the way we think about its growth is so that it reflects this community. People should feel as though when they come to the museum, there's something relevant to them, where they come from, you know, what's important to them, the the issues that they're sort of grappling with, and they find some solace in what they see at the museum. Mm -hmm. So I hope that people come back and, you know, and with return visits, see more and learn more and just understand the depth and richness of the holdings. It's a treasure. Mm This past Sunday was the last day of our fall-winter uh, series of, of exhibitions. We had over 2,000 visitors. Wow. It was fantastic. There was a line at 10 a.m. for wow. admissions. There were so many families in the shop, in the, in the wow. store, and in the, in the cafe. It was really wonderful to see mm-hmm. multi-generation families, grandparents, parents, kids in strollers. There were crowds in the collection galleries. There were crowds in the exhibition spaces. It really made me feel like our members and our supporters are reading our reading our communications. They knew it was the last weekend, and everyone showed up. But mm-hmm. it was such a great feeling to see the museum so buzzy. That's great. With bad weather, people come inside. And <laughs> that, I didn't know if that would be, you know, Columbus or not. You know, do people hibernate or or do they go out? And so I think we do benefit from the ugly weather sometimes, mm-hmm. in that people want something to do. They want to be inside, but they come into the museum, and that is a, a sort of habit that. I've noticed and I think is wonderful I yeah mean, people spend you know hours in the in the restaurant at the museum mm-hmm. and in the galleries you know we have a lot of spaces to sort of sit and contemplate what's on view and it's really nice to see people convening mm-hmm. and really seeing the museum as an extension of their home and I think that's a very special thing. And if you mm-hmm. come this weekend while our winter exhibition uh, our fall winter exhibitions have closed, the rehang of the modern and contemporary collection is on view. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called New Encounters, and it's the second floor of the Walter Wing. That space is 8,000 square feet, and over the last you know eight weeks or so, we reinstalled the entire second floor, moving every work except for one, the Frank Stella, that looks out of Broad Street. And so there's over 100 works by about 70 artists on view. We tried to sort of mine the collection for things that hadn't been seen recently, or some things that had never been shown, uh, which is pretty exceptional. The museum's 145 years old, and there are works in the collection that had never been wow. on view. It's really wonderful. It's a group of works from 1940s to the present, and I think it's pretty
2: spectacular. Accessibility makes sense as a worthwhile priority given our city's growing population and footprint, and the art's important, too. But this is a business podcast, and I wanted to know what Brooke wants from the Central Ohio business community. What do you need or want or would you like to see from the business community to help kind of achieve your vision for the museum? Oh, that's an interesting question from
1: the <laughs> Well, I mean, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say support. Over the next several years, there are so many ambitious things that we would like to accomplish at the museum, and all of that takes support, whether that's support to our annual programs, exhibitions, our learning programs, or whether that's stewarding our really phenomenal historical building. The museum, as you know, opened a beautiful expansion in 2015, um, but we also have a wonderful 1931 building that was the original building that you know needs ongoing maintenance and care. So there's, you know, there's the physical space, there's our programming, you know, we're always looking to sort of build our endowment and sustain the museum into the future. So, I mean, I think support is key, but it also is that um, I think the business community can help just sort of spread the word about mm-hmm. what we're doing and ensure that whether it's you know their teams or counterparts, you know, business colleagues understand how dynamic the programming is at the museum and really kind of make it feel like a kind of important third space for them that is welcoming and open and that they build awareness of in everything that they do. You know, we're having a lot, of, lot, lot more tourists, whether they're business travelers or otherwise, um, coming to the city. And I would love to think that the museum is a huge draw for a visitor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether they get downtown to Broad Street or to a second space, you know, that we have in the short north called the Pizzuti Building. It's on Goodale Park, much closer to uh, the convention center. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd love to think that the arts are also a draw to this city for convention goers and tourists mm-hmm. just as much as sports and other things.
2: Talk to me a little bit about what you did or didn't know about Columbus before this opportunity came up, uh, both just as a city and from an arts community perspective.
1: As far as the city, I knew the general, you know, OSU is based here. I have for many years been quite fond of and followed uh, the exhibition program at the Wexner Center for the Arts, which is on campus at OSU. The Wex has, as many of us know, had a really wonderful national and international reputation for quite some time and was well known for bringing cutting edge contemporary art to the Midwest. And so, um, you know, I studied, I'm trained as an art historian and my specialty is postwar and contemporary art. So I've always been aware of the program, even though I hadn't visited when I, this position became an opportunity and I came to visit, I was really struck that there was this phenomenal civic museum with a deep collection, holdings, wonderful holdings in American art, European art that was lesser known. And mm-hmm. I thought this is a story we have to tell.
2: How do we get this message out to more of yeah. the... Well, we have help.
1: <laughs> we have help in part. It's, you know, making sure that national media, you know, know what we're doing. And so we do have support from, you know, an outside firm that's helping us with messaging and really sharing our work that we are all have been doing and will continue to do. Building the curatorial team to really kind of help define our program and make sure that it's, you know, as visionary as we want it to be. But even in the short term, before we do that, we're in the midst of planning, for example, a multi-year tour of the first posthumous retrospective of Amina Robinson. Mm -hmm. We are fortunate to have inherited Amina's estate. She's a much beloved artist from Columbus, artist and art teacher here. She passed away several years ago and we've created a 70-work retrospective that will tour to at least six venues around the country. Um, That tour will begin in 2025 and continue through 2028 at minimum. So it's a way in which we can, again, tell a story about an important Columbus artist that we have deep holdings of at CMA, and really share her story beyond, you know, the central Ohio area.
2: What's Brooke up to outside of the art scene? Football, of course. Just not the one you might think. Where will we find you on a free day? What's what's the way that you unwind after a stressful week?
1: Uh, so many things. Let's see. I love to go for long walks, which is hard in the winters here. <laughs> but, I mean, in general, I, I am, love spas. I meditate. I love to travel, even though it does sort of add to the harriedness of our schedules. But, you know, I travel for, for the museum, but I also do just love to travel to see exhibitions and projects in my off time, do studio visits. I know that seems like more work, but I really do love it. <laughs> and I know we've got the Columbus crew here in the in the studio with us this this wonderful scarf I love soccer oh yeah So it's been really fun to get to know the team mm-hmm. um, since I moved and I joke that they uh, won the championship for me for my yeah arrival. to but, really
2: like cement
1: you yeah wow. you know it's just one of those things that draws you closer to a new community and I don't watch NFL like football or college football and I know that's a big deal here but I just,
2: <laughs> I just don't follow it yeah so I feel like
1: yeah. the crew is my way to kind of really connect to a kind of um
2: well that's cool that's fans. great yeah awesome
1: I also watch Premier League soccer and I'm a big, uh-huh. um, Tottenham Hotspur fan.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I assumed you were going to say. Uh, I feel like usually when you ask people what their team is, they well, don't they immediately say they animals. tell you
1: Premier League team. Yeah. You know, this, this jog, I, there's, we should probably mention what's here in the, yes, in the studio. Yes, we have but, a crew scarf. Um, the cruise scarf inspired my answer, but it has been really fun and it was so great to watch them win the championship.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I always try to end with this, which is if you were uh, offering a piece of advice to a young woman just graduating from college, entering the workforce, who is perhaps interested in following in your footsteps, what piece of advice would you give
1: her? It feels cliche when you sort of tell people to follow their passion. But I feel like anything that you love can become your career. If you're driven to do something, you have a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, whatever that might be. Every day I go to work, I feel so excited about what I do. And it feels less and less like work. It's just, you know, how I want to spend my time mm-hmm. with art, with artists, with curators, with scholars, with historians, with writers. I've really started to love fundraising. It's something that I've kind of pivoted to about 12 years ago after starting in museums and curatorial and education work. But it feels less and less like work when you just love what you do. And so I think that's what I would say. Just be confident and you know, kind of f- follow what's, what, what drives you and what you're passionate about. It's possible.
2: Another huge thank you to Brooke Minto for joining us. And thanks so much to all of you for joining us as well. If you're not already, then follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll be notified of each new episode as it's released. I'm Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First, and this has been Women of Influence.